Hello, world. Good evening, and thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Showcase for the week ending Sunday, March 27, 2022. Welcome to our YouTube audience and to our podcast audience, those of you joining us on anchor.fm slash weekend showcase or Apple or Spotify or wherever else you get your podcast. We also have an audio version of these weird news reactions shows there. So greetings to all of you. Don't forget to smash that like and that like button and the notification bell. And uh, if you're happening to join us live right now, thanks so much again. And don't forget to drop a little comment in the chat feed and I might read it off here on the air to further immortalize it for you. So um, like I was saying, we have weird news headlines tonight. Um, we have a lot to get to. Actually, we have a really interesting sort of rundown to uh, roll through. So without any further delay, let's uh, go ahead and get started. Oh, my name is Don Shannon. First order of business tonight is uh, this thing from UPI. Mother duck hatches eggs at Florida Hospital's maternity center. Okay, so let's go ahead and get started with that. This was published a couple days ago, right on Friday, March 25. Mother duck hatches eggs. Uh, let's see here. Da, da, da. A Florida hospital's labor and delivery center welcomed an unusual delivery in quotations delivery, when a mother duck hatched her eggs in the facility's courtyard. Beaches OBGYN, the labor and delivery center at Baptist Medical Center Beaches in Jacksonville Beach, said in a Facebook post that staff escorted the mother duck and her 10 ducklings through the building after the eggs hatched in the delivery center's fenced-in courtyard. Okay, so that's that, that's, this on the surface looks to me like a deleted scene from one of the Dr. Doolittle movies or something. Sort of, except this is like an actual human hospital and not like a veterinary office or something where like, you know, something like that might most, li most likely happen or another little hilarious sort of area that's sort of played for laughs because of the absurdity of that situation happening in that particular location. The delivery center said the ducks had to walk through the building to get out of the courtyard, which does not have an exit to the outside. The post says, uh, the Facebook post says, quote, we're still quacking up over this sweet story. Congrats, Mama. We'll see you in six weeks for your follow-up. <laughs> Aw. <laughs> um, all right. Well, congratulations to the happy mom. It's a nice uh, little piece of feel-good animal news right there to go ahead and kick things off for tonight's weird news headlines. We have a bunch more topics to get to. There, wasn't, there really wasn't much to work with there. Uh, pretty straightforward, it would seem, which is fine. Um, here we go. Here's the picture uh, right here. For some reason, sometimes some of the Facebook posts, those of you who are watching this on YouTube, sometimes the Facebook versions, or excuse me, the um, uh, the YouTube version of this, sometimes the video footage doesn't really get, doesn't really load up properly, or the, the embedded videos and graphics and stuff don't really load up properly, but this is the image right here. Walking through uh, the mother duck and her ducklings walking through the, the hallway of this hospital. So there you go. Florida. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> Here's a uh, waffle-based news. I'm sure this is much to uh, the joy of Eleven from Stranger Things. Uh, <laughs> so this is again from UPI. International Waffle Day started as a Swedish misunderstanding. Yeah, I did not know that this was a holiday. Um, apparently it is. And I do remember seeing some social media posts about this, uh, like between Thursday and Friday. But honestly, I had kind of figured it was like some sort of a... Um, like a viral prank sort of situation or something, not really to be taken seriously per se, but apparently there is something more to it. Let's go ahead and take a look. International Waffle Day is celebrated each year on March 25, and the holiday began in Sweden as a result of a religious holiday's grammatical association with, with the food. The 
holiday's origins are the result of Varfrudagen, Varfrudigen, the Swedish word for Our Lady's Day, which is the Feast of the Annunciation, a March 25 Christian celebration of when the Virgin Mary was told she was pregnant, having a similar pronunciation to Waffeldagen, which means Waffle Day. So Varfrudagen getting mixed up with Waffeldagen, I guess, yeah, it's sort of a natural one leads to the other sort of thing. The pronunciation coincidence led to Swedes nicknaming the celebration Waffle Day, and waffles became a traditional meal for the day. The tradition spread to Norway and Denmark, and in recent years has been observed by restaurants and breakfast food fans in countries including the United States, Berlin, Australia, and India. Other observances for March 25 include National Lobster Newberg Day, National Pecan Day, No Homework Day, my inner middle schooler rejoices at that last one, and Tolkien Reading Day. Hmm. Tolkien Reading Day. Again, not really, uh, not really much frame of reference on a personal standpoint for that last one. I wasn't aware that that had an actual straight up holiday around it. Um, but there you go, I suppose. National Pecan Day, much to the chagrin of those out there who actually have allergies to that stuff. Ugh. But uh, apparently it's just popular enough, at least in that region of the world, to justify an entire holiday. The only question remains is which of these holidays actually um, constitute as a justifiable context for, at least in that region, to have the day off from school or work. I mean, at least above and beyond what certain contexts with some of these holidays sort of imply you would get off for anyway, like the no homework day. Um, that, that seems to be sort of like, it goes without saying, but you don't, it doesn't sound like you get the whole day off from school, obviously. So, but I guess if we're really getting down to it, if you sort of like look at that particular day from, a, from the standpoint of a kid, you know, who's kind of bogged down with school and stuff like that, that's holiday enough, just a reprieve from homework, you know what I'm saying? So anyway, that's basically that. And that was this past Friday, uh, March 25, apparently was International Waffle Day. So that's, that's, uh, that's all there is to that particular topic. And once again, we have all of the uh, references for all of the posts that we're showing and discussing tonight are posted in the discussions right below this video. We cite all of our sources as per the norm. Thanks so much for tuning in. Those of you just joining us live right now, we're discussing weird news headlines. It is Sunday night. We do this basically every Sunday night live right here on Weekend Showcase. Um, and we're moving right along into the next comment, into the next uh, news piece here. Don't forget to drop a like and a comment and uh, hit that notification bell as well. And once the comments start rolling in here, we can start incorporating a little bit more activity from you, the audience, and uh, see what we can build off of that. Uh, next item on the agenda here, we have a thing from Huffington Post. This is a dog named Fezco. Dog ditched at shelter because owners thought he was gay, but got adopted, I guess, after the fact. Okay, um, this, is, this is a little off-putting. Good grief. I didn't even know that uh, that kind of prejudice crosses species barriers. This is new to me. Um, the North Carolina dog, this is again, this is from Huffington Post. The North Carolina dog was dumped at a, at a shelter by his owners because he humped another male dog and the owners feared he was gay, had been, has been adopted. The Stanley County Animal Protective Services in Albemarle posted on Facebook Tuesday that Fezco had found new humans to love him for who he is, pelvic gyrations and all. Uh, the shelter also confirmed to HuffPost that the dog's new owners are Steve Nichols and his longtime partner, John, who spoke to TMZ on Tuesday about why they welcomed the very friendly pooch into their home. The couple said they renamed Fesco Oscar 
after the Irish poet and playwright Oscar Wilde, who was gay. I did not know that. Nichols told TMZ that they felt an immediate connection to Oscar and his story because they have also faced discrimination. The couple added that Oscar's previous owners were not only bigoted, but apparently pretty bad at taking care of him. The dog hasn't been neutered and has heartworms. Oscar's new owners told the website that they intend to nurse the pup back to health. The couple already has another dog named Harry, a terrier chihuahua mix who's around to help lift Oscar's furry spirit. Oh, and we're just now seeing, um, I'm just now seeing a, an embedded YouTube video here. I, I don't like it when this happens. Like I go through all the time and trouble of like carefully reading through the story only to like see a YouTube video here that probably presents the story in a much better context. Um, those of you who are listening to the podcast feed, don't forget to check in the description of the podcast version of this to see the link to the YouTube uh, version of this so you can see this clip for yourself. I'll go ahead and just play the YouTube clip here uh, for those of you who are watching right now. Let's take a look. Tonight, a local dog shelter, or a local shelter dog rather, is looking for a soft landing after being dumped by his owners because they say he's gay. Thought you heard it all, right? Uh, a Stanley County Animal Shelter Facebook post says the dog's owner surrendered him to the shelter after he humped another male dog, which dogs do. Fezco, the shelter says, it's about four to five years old, weighs about 50 pounds. They say he likes other people, he likes other animals, he's a good boy. The shelter is asking for local rescues to step up and take Fesco into foster before he is adopted. Local county shelters across our area, Drew, they do so much work with such little resources. Any way that we can help ease the burden, step in and pull animals out um, and get them into foster or adopt them really helps. And that guy looks like he's going to find a new home real quick. Fesco's adorable. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, a good 80% of this story is already kind of obsolete, given that the rest of the post goes on to say that this dog has already been adopted, as we just read off here. So, um, hmm, thanks for posting a YouTube clip in here that's already pretty obsolete. But anyway, at least the topic has a happy ending. So there we go. Um, again, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm really off put by just the premise of this particular story, I, sort of circling back to a comment that I'd made previously in the beginning here, I, I didn't, had no uh, idea that this type of prejudice actually crosses species lines, but I guess there you have it, anything is possible in this world, it would seem, so uh, anyway, like I said, it has a happy ending, so that's a positive takeaway there. See, let's move on to the next topic here. We're rolling right along. We're already three topics down, about 15 minutes in, roughly 12, 15 minutes in. Uh, let's go ahead and keep going. Da, 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 da. It always takes a moment to load into the resources area of our, of our uh, company Slack account here. Here we go. So this is again from Huffington Post. Jazz has actually been banned in New Orleans schools since 1922. That looks like heresy on its surface. Let's dig a little bit deeper. Um, the rule, which officials say has racist organ, origins, excuse me, has been ignored for decades and the music genre is taught in some area schools. This is published by the Associated Press on Thursday, the 24th. Again, this is from Huffington Post. The school board in the city where jazz took root is preparing to undo a little known 1922 rule that bans jazz music and dancing in public schools. I mean, oh, goodness, and dancing? What is this, Footloose? Goodness. Officials tell the Times-Picayune the Times slash the New Orleans Advocate 
that the policy has racist origins as its creators sought at the time to distance New Orleans school children from the African-Americans who created the genre. The rule has been ignored for decades. Jazz has taught in some schools and marching bands accompanied by dance teams are a fixture of carnival season parades. So, all right, that's a, that's a positive, circumnavigating that uh, <laughs> brain-poppingly prejudiced thing. Um, let me see, board member Catherine Baudouin, I, I, I apologize, I'm probably pronouncing that name wrong. Catherine Baudouin, Baudouin, I'm gonna hope it's Baudouin, um, said, quote, in this instance and in this instance only, we're glad that the policy was ignored by our students by our schools, our schools played a major role in the development of jazz, end quote. I mean, clearly it just kind of goes without saying, right? I mean, New Orleans is, is legendary for, for, you know, its, um, for its presence within, within the jazz community and was largely, and that scene was largely instrumental in not just creating, but popularizing the genre in a way that transcended the local region. And it, it's, it's, it's amazing to me that this even exists. Uh, the board discussed the policy at a committee meeting Tuesday and planned to vote Thursday on reversing it. Okay. The policy came to the board's attention after Ken Ducote, executive director of the Greater New Orleans Collaborative of Charter Schools, read a book called Chord Changes on the Chalkboard, How Public School Teachers Shaped Jazz and the Music of New Orleans by Al Kennedy. Kennedy had found out about the policy while doing research. Ducote said, quote, it's like if Colorado passed a rule banning students from looking at the Rocky Mountains. I mean, sure. Or uh, I guess I'm trying to think it's, this, is it Vermont that's famous for, for uh, maple syrup? I'm trying to remember. I'm trying to remember if it's Vermont or New Hampshire, or like one of those like New England kind of like states. Or heck, let's just be simple about it. It's like if Florida banned oranges. That's probably a better sort of thing to equate it to. Um, it, it's, it's, it's so off-putting on the surface, one wouldn't think that that's anywhere within the realm of possibility. Like you could be, very easily see somebody losing whole mortgages worth of money betting against something like that actually happening and then come to find, here it pops up in your newsfeed, who knew? Reports from 1922, quote, a then school board member identified as Mrs. Adolf Baumgartner as one of the early opponents of the genre, A-D-O-L-P-H. That's a female first name in literally a hundred years ago, 1922, wow. Um, I've never seen that before in that context, okay. Um, Baumgartner said during a March 1922 meeting, quote, jazz music and jazz dancing in schools should be stopped at once. I have seen a lot of rough dancing in school auditoriums lately, end quote. I mean, it was a hundred years ago. It was a different time, you know. Eh. Um, hey, we have a comment here live right now from uh, Philip Billups. Hey, Philip, thanks so much for joining. Uh, what's up? <laughs> he says, sup, Don. Banning, Philip says, quote, banning jazz in NOLA makes no sense. Just shows how ignorant some laws were slash are. Smirk face emoji, end quote. Yeah, absolutely. I got to agree with you there, man. It, it, it's, it's, <laughs> and it's so easy to sort of dismiss something like this as being a product of its time. And yet, you know, we live in a world even today where it's kind of easy to see certain aspects of what we sort of have as components of modern society being a product of our time. It's, it's really sort of easy to sort of um, to see certain, certain things. Again, I don't want to like be more specific than that. We try very hard here on this channel not to be uh, political or religious. 
at all. Like those of you regular viewers, you know this already, but um, it's, it's this really sort of, I would put this in that sort of category of, um, I guess, I, I guess I wasn't alive back then. Like my grandmother wasn't alive in 1922. So it's like, uh, it, it, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things that you hope gets changed sooner rather than later. And this is one of those situations in particular that we can definitely fall under the category of better late than never. Uh, even though after a hundred years, it kind of feels like never really objectively, but anyway, it's happening now, it seems. Uh, jazz music, wait, wait, hold on. Sorry, Kennedy said the ban was likely the school board, quote, reacting to the fears of the day, end quote. Uh, this is the, the, the book author. Um, Al Kennedy, the chord changes on the chalkboard thing I referenced earlier in the, in the topic. Uh, Kennedy goes on to say, quote, think of it as an early version of the book ban. It seems like they were more afraid of it being a bad influence than anything else, end quote. Yeah, exactly. And book ban, you can even make an argument that depending on what it is, I mean, book bans in and of itself, it's a bit much. Um, current board member, Carlos, da, 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 introducing Russian reverse ban. Uh, let's see, here we go. Here's the meat and potatoes, sorry. School board president Olin Parker said the policy was rooted in racism and noted that the ban didn't prevent the tremendous contributions of our students, especially of our band directors whose, whose legacy continues from 1922 on now through the carnival season. Uh, Dakota said the school board's current practices require considerable public input before new policies are adopted. That prevents board members from passing new policies on a whim as was done in 1922. Well. This has, this has been brought to light finally, and it seems that public opinion is finally going in the right direction. So um, props to those people down there in, uh, in New Orleans for making the right call. Um, let's move on to the next topic here. Let's see, we're coming up to the halfway point here now. Here we are. So man owns haunted ventriloquist doll and mouth opens and closes all by itself, wow. Okay, that's a new one on me. Okay, this is from uh, The Mirror, which is a UK publication we've been citing in a lot of different stories lately. Um, let's see, here's an, whoops, come on. Can I zoom in on this, please? Here we go. All right, so a man who, brought, who bought a ventriloquist doll believes it's haunted as its mouth spookily opens and closes all by itself. Gregor Stewart, age 51, from Fife, Scotland. Fife, F-I-F-E, I'm not sure how that's pronounced, uh, in Scotland purchased the doll four years ago from a dealer in California here in the U.S. who wanted to sell it to someone as far away from him as possible. However, since becoming the owner of the ventriloquist doll, who he calls Uncle Herb, Uncle Herb? Okay, Gregor believes he had, has witnessed the doll opening and closing its mouth, even though the mechanism of the mouth does not work. The building, sir, what? Wait a minute. Gregor believes he has witnessed the doll opening and closing its mouth, even though the mechanism of the mouth does not work. Sorry, I had to read that twice. That kind of went over my head the first time. Um, the building surveyor said, quote, I think that when Uncle Herb opens his mouth, it means that he is not happy about something. When we first got him, we were putting him in a case on his own for a while to give him time to settle. And that is when his mouth first opened, end quote. Okay, so it's one of those things. Okay, so this looks like sort of, um, for those of you listening on the audio podcast thing, this looks like one of those... Um, uh, how do I describe this? Like a sort of like the dummy slappy from Goosebumps, but dressed in a like a flannel shirt and a, and a tie that's sort of cocked to one side and the mouth sort of opens what looks like sort of semi horizontally at like a downwards 40, 50 degree slope as opposed to just straight up vertical up and down. 
And it's honestly kind of hard to imagine it sort of like just slipping out like that just from setting it down um, as opposed to what I was originally envisioning when the, when the dummy's mouth kind of like opens by itself, like, like when you put it down and sort of something gets loosened at that moment and then gravity sort of takes it from there. But this sort of looks like it's going at an angle that looks like it might be a little bit difficult, a little bit more difficult for just gravity by itself to, to happen like that. But, um, oh, here's where it gets weird. Quote, um, by, and by the time we get, by the time we went to get him back out of the case, he had closed his mouth. So I think that when he closes his mouth, it means that he is happy and settled down again. We spoke to the spirit that was attached to the doll through a spirit box, a paranormal research device, which allows spirits to communicate by manipulating white noise to form words and phrases and asked what, his what the name was. He told us it was Herbert and we shortened it to Uncle Herb because we know there is a connection to an uncle in his story." End quote. Okay. Um, <laughs> wow. Uh, this is the sort of thing that I, I would have sworn, I could have sworn like this is the sort of, this is the sort of situation that is why you get like a Ouija board if you're going to communicate with spirits in the afterlife. I've never seen a spirit box before, but I guess that's the sort of thing that can come into play as useful here. Um, you know, those of us who like um, believe in the hereafter and it's possible to communicate with the hereafter, communicate with spirits and stuff like that. Um, it's, it's, it's always kind of like weirded me out a little bit, to be honest, personally, but apparently this is at least somewhat possible if there's a shred to legitimacy here and not really um, a shred of legitimacy, I should say, here and not just basically sort of um, being made up in the sense of sensationalism. Um, I'm, I, I'm not sure. I'm just reading the topic here. Um, let's see. Gregor continues to say, quote, the spirit attached to Uncle Herb was frustrated at being forgotten as he had never been given a name and had previously belonged to an elderly woman who kept him in a cupboard. Since we have had him, he has had lots, had had lots of people engaging with him and he's been given a name. So there's a much more positive energy around him." End quote. Uh, during conversation with Uncle Herb, Gregor says he has referenced prison and he believes he doesn't like being in the case and opens his mouth to show his feelings towards this. Okay, so this is a, this is a ventriloquist dummy that's basically uh, exhibiting semi-sentient traits, depending on how much you want to believe um, this this sense of like paranormal possession happening here. I don't know. Do you, uh, those of you who are watching or listening, uh, do you believe this is this is real? Do you believe it's possible uh, to? Oh, here we go. Here's a comment. Uh, Brain Spaz says, "Wouldn't want that thing in my bedroom." Yeah, 100% agree. No bedroom, no dark alley, no nothing. Uh, keep that away, <laughs> I think is the proper reaction to this. But um, as long as the, as long as whatever is possessing this, uh, this ventriloquist doll, if it is really uh, possessed, it doesn't seem to be malicious so far. Let's hope it stays that way. <laughs> I hope to not read about this doll again later. Um, doing some other like messed up stuff later, like far and above and beyond, just simply opening and closing its own mouth autonomously. Um, let's go ahead and move on. Thanks so much for tuning in to our weird news stream uh, right here on Weekend Showcase. We're about uh, somewhere between a third and halfway through the particular stream tonight. We're about halfway through our hour tonight also, so we're pretty well on track. Um, let's go ahead and take a look at this one next. This is another one from the mirror. The headline is, my wife divorced me for leaving dirty cups by the sink. It was a wise choice. Okay. Um, any uh, relationship people in the crowd watching tonight who uh, 
can relate to the frustration of your significant other being terrible at housekeeping. Um, let's see. Da, 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 da. Okay, this was posted on, it looks like Thursday, I think it was the 24th. A man has revealed how his wife divorced him for leaving dirty dishes by the sink and what led him to the realization that there was so much more to the problem than he first thought. Matthew Frey from Ohio opened up about the demise of his relationship in a blog post on his site, mustbethistalltoride.com. <laughs> wow, all right. Where it quickly garnered a lot of attention. This post details the ending of his own marriage and how he initially believed his wife's reasons for leaving were unreasonable and ridiculous. He puts those words in quotation marks. But now nine years on, he told Daily Mail he believes she made a wise choice, again in quotations. It was just after his 34th birthday that his wife dropped the bombshell that she was leaving him and taking their son with her. Uh, he began, quote, so what terrible thing did I do exactly? How did I mistreat my poor wife? Well, dot, 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 I often left used drinking glasses by the sink, end quote. Okay. Often there were also plates deposited mere centimeters from the dishwasher, and on occasion he failed to put his clothes away. That's what made her leave him, or that's what it looked like on the surface. Hmm. Okay. Well, um, oh, that's a stock image. <laughs> I'm just now noticing the image credit at the bottom of the thing there. But anyway, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, this is one of those things that one can see being sort of um, at the very best case scenario, a red flag for the relationship if it's a long-term type of thing, or even short-term, sort of like establishing a tone for what the dynamic is going to be like between these two people going forward, um, what kind of relationship it's going to be, what kind of home life it's going to be together. Um, you know, if one person sort of has a way of living that doesn't really line up with the other, or at least in terms of the kind of prioritization that um, that's utilized with whatever it is, you know, dishes, laundry, whatever, you know, it, that that can be a lit fuse um, really, really quickly, depending on who the other person is. Um, let's see. He said he waited for her to finally agree that in the grand scheme of things, she was unreasonable, in quotations, to throw away their 12-year relationship over a few meaningless chores, but she never did. And it was only after some time that he realized it wasn't the glass by the sink that bothered his wife so much, although she did hate it being there. And it wasn't about the laundry he left on the floor. It's what these things said to her. Yep. Yeah. Um, he said, quote, that while she rarely made a decision about thinking about how it might affect me or our son, I barely considered how my actions affected her, that not taking four seconds to put my glass in the dishwasher was more important to me than she was, end quote. Okay. So um, I guess we can sort of categorize this as a public service announcement sort of situation. Those of us with, um, with a, sort of a, a rather inconsistent or all too casual sort of attitude with, uh, with housekeeping consistency and, um, and rules and regulations, how that sort of thing works, especially when you're, you have to coexist with someone in that same close quarters. Um, be empathetic to what the other person, how, how they might respond to what you're doing, um, you know, especially in the context of marriage. <laughs> uh, one can only imagine how many, uh, how many nights were spent on the couch before it wound up getting to this point. I mean, I highly doubt that the former missus went all the way to death on one on, uh, on just, just on a whim like that. So it's, eh. It's unfortunate that this happens, but um, I guess we can let this serve as a cautionary tale. Um, hopefully those of you at home watching or listening haven't had similar experiences, uh, but if you have and um, are comfortable sort of alluding without going into too much specificity, obviously, hey, 
drop it in the comments, you know, like, um, let us know. Let's see what we have next on the docket here. This is again from the mirror. Dad sparks backlash over 17 year old daughter's punishment for missing curfew. I think we had a piece like this last Sunday, either last Sunday or the Sunday before uh, about parenting, sort of like that parenting style that goes a little bit over the line um, when it comes to a child crossing a given line. You know, what do you do to sort of reestablish boundaries as the parent in the situation? Um, here we go. A dad has been slammed online after he revealed the punishment he gave his daughter after she missed curfew. Curfew, excuse me. In a post on Reddit, the anonymous man explained that his 17-year-old daughter had been trusted to drive her grandparents back to their place after a family dinner. He said that she was to drive straight home afterwards and be back no later than 10 p.m., which she, quote, directly disobeyed, end quote. As the hours ticked by, the parents got increasingly worried and waited by the door for her until she eventually returned home at 1.25 a.m., three and a half hours after the fact. Ouch. She tried her hardest to go undetected, he said, as she quietly parked the car on the drive and opened the front door without making much noise. But of course, she'd been caught red-handed. When the couple asked her for an explanation, she answered honestly and told them that she had gone over to her boyfriend's house after dropping her grandparents off. He said, quote, I told her as punishment that she is grounded for the rest of the school year and that she would not get to go to her senior prom in spite of her already picking out a prom dress. Wow, ouch. Um, end quote, sorry. Um, outside of the ouch, sorry, that was me. <laughs> but that's not all. Her other punishments included no access to the car until graduation, no iPhone, no friends, no going outside, and her prom dress will be donated. Wait a minute. So it wasn't just picked out. The prom dress was purchased? already wow while my uh the, the the father adds quote while my wife agrees with most of the punishments i've laid out she does not think she should have to miss her senior prom especially since it was canceled last school year and quote oh right of course covid the um yeah the the pandemic uh canceling things was happening still well into well into 21 quote my least favorite part of parenting is having to dish out consequences for undesirable behavior but what our daughter did crossed the line and worried us. Let me see here. Okay, so going down, I'm skipping down a little bit here in the story to the Reddit responses. One person said, quote, dude, you're the uh, sensitive uh, um, expletive deleted. Did she break the rules and acted like a complete dumb expletive while making you worried? Absolutely. Does it warrant a punishment? Of course it does. Should that punishment be her missing a once in a lifetime event that would otherwise be a fond memory? She looked years down the lane, look back on, I guess, years down the lane and will now only remember your cruel punishment. Do you really want it to be so? Punishment should fit the crime and yours is way overblown, end quote. Okay, so I don't know how many parents we have watching this live right now, but let's take a look at the situation here. We have, uh, she's 17, staring down the barrel of senior prom right around the corner, right? Um, and she's entrusted to do some basic transportation for the family, be back home by a certain time. She stays out an extra three and a half hours, doesn't get home until 1.30 in the morning. No communication with the parents. And she's honest about it, at least, and says that she's with her boyfriend that time, uh, during the time that she should have been home. And so that is the crime, basically. And so the punishment is... I'm trying to remember, um, 
no phone, no socializing, no senior prom access, and the and the dress that apparently was already purchased is going to be donated. Um, this maybe this because I, maybe I'm saying this because I'm not a parent myself, and because I didn't technically have a senior prom. I, I've said before on this um, or on on this channel. I mean, mm, sorry, let me back up. I've mentioned before on this channel that. Um, I did go through a lot of homeschooling during my high school years. And I sort of um, sat in on, uh, I, I sat in on a friend's prom, uh, senior prom during that point in my high school life. Um, it just, I was just a visitor basically. It wasn't my school. Those weren't my, uh, those weren't my classmates. Those weren't my friends, but it's still, that's still a memory that I otherwise would not have had. So to that Redditor's point about making a memory you know, while that is on the table for you to be able to do as the student, as the 17-year-old in that situation. Um, that being said, like I said, I'm not a parent. Um, it, it's this, that is, that is kind of harsh, you know. Um, this, she's 17, a minor, behind the wheel of a car, out three and a half hours past the point of curfew with no communication to either parent during that whole time. I mean, you, you got to draw the line somewhere. Um, I mean, parents, if you're listening or watching, drop us a comment, shoot us a voicemail on our anchor page. Like, is this, um, was this appropriate? Is this what you would have done with, with your child if that was, if that situation was in your home, if you were the parent? I don't know, what, what would you have done differently? Shoot us a comment and let us know. Um, and once again, just like with all of our topics, uh, all of the source links, are in the description down below underneath this video if you want to go ahead and read more on this. Uh, but we got to move on. Let's see. I think we have about two, maybe three more topics to get to here. And then we got to wrap this up for the week. Uh, here we are. Here's where we left off. This is uh, this says plus size model left fuming at airline over short seat belt that didn't fit. Oh dear. Okay. <clears throat> So a plus size model has accused Delta Airlines of having unsuitable seatbelts after she was left unable to fasten hers during a recent flight. Footage shared to TikTok shows model Remy Bader, B-A-D-E-R, B -A -D -E -R, struggling to buckle her seatbelt during takeoff on a Delta, an American airline flight. A, video, a viral video shared by Remy shows the model in her plane seat apparently unable to fit the belt around herself. Addressing the airline directly, Remy urged them to figure it out uh, in quotations, arguing that she, quote, shouldn't need to ask for an extender, it should just be easy, end quote. Well, hmm, I don't know. Um, outside looking in, just without having read any further yet, um, isn't, if an extender is an option and you don't have enough, like, isn't the onus on you, the passenger, to ask for the, 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 the accommodations that you need? And then at that point, isn't it up to the airline to make sure that they have the proper accommodations for the customer, for the passenger? I, I guess that's just on, that's just off the top of my head here, a reaction to this. Um, let's read on here. A number of Remy's followers sympathized with her plight, sharing similar negative air travel experiences while remarking that all passengers should be allowed to fly safely regardless of their size. Yes, I agree, 100%. But like, speak up about it and like calmly request it, you know. Um, it, it, mm, figure it out. That's a bit much. Um, I don't know. One person wrote, quote, I was too embarrassed to ask last time, so I pretended to be buckled and just decided if we hit turbulence, so be it, end quote. 
I mean, come on. Like we 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 live in an age that's a lot more, you know, accommodating and you know and understanding. And you're listen, the customer is always right at the end of the day. All right. The customer is always right. You're the paying customer, you're the passenger, and it's the airline's job to make sure that you arrive at your destination safely. But to a degree, like, don't you as a passenger have an implicit responsibility to make sure that if you need something to help facilitate that safe travel, that, you know, the, 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 the stewardesses, you know, the airline staff, like, they're not psychic, you know, shouldn't it be implied that you're, it's your responsibility to speak up, you know, if, like, you need an accommodation that the stewardesses or, like, whatever, um, whatever airline staff is on board isn't, observant enough to catch because they have to watch out for you and literally dozens of other passengers in the plane. You know, uh, I don't know. Another person said, quote, this is exactly why I have a fear of flying. In 2016, the belt just closed. I have no hope now and refuse to be belittled by the crew, end quote. Okay. Um, the belt just closed. I'm sorry, this is a little bit over my head here, how that extrapolates to a fear of flying. Um, no disrespect, and I apologize for not really, um, that, that's, I'm not really, that's not really registering properly with me, like how that equates to a fear of flying from the belt just closed. Does that mean like it's secured properly? And that, I'm not sure what that is there. Um, a third person claimed, quote, I was asked to move from the exit row once I, because I needed an extender. Apparently, an extender means you're unable to open the exit door, end quote. I've heard of that happening before, where like that, that presents, that can present a safety risk depending on, depending on the person, um, depending on the situation, depending on like their, their seating arrangement, geographic proximity to the emergency exit. There, there can be some stuff, um, there can be some regulations in place for that sort of thing. But I mean, it's, it's like there's, there's, there should be, it should be implied that there's a that there's a symbiotic relationship between passenger and staff. You know, like I I, I kind of have to plus one what I said in the beginning. You know, you, you have to sort of speak up. You have to be brave about it. Um, you know, and be tactful about it. Don't don't let yourself feel pressured or or um, what was the embarrassed or insecure. Uh, you know, to ask for what you need. Presumably, you value your life, right? I mean, it's 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 it's. I I can't. I'm not in that boat. I'm not gonna pass judgment here. I don't mean to do that at all. I just want to be clear here. Like, I can't imagine pretending to be buckled. Like, if I pay good money to be on that plane, you know, and my life is at stake, my safety, you know, I I would want to make sure that I had everything I needed, you know, to make sure that I arrived safely you know, and wasn't getting in the way of like jeopardizing anybody else's safety. You know, that's just, that's just what occurs to me to want to do. Um, I don't, I don't know. Um, let's see, last part, and then we'll move on. In a separate TikTok video shared back in October, Remy opened up about how she was left freaking out after she was unable to fasten her seatbelt during a Delta flight. Remy, who has always loved Delta, claimed that the airline's new planes, quote, have way shorter seatbelts than they did before, end quote, alleging that the belt just wouldn't go around her body. Oh, she recalled, quote, we were already taking off and there was nothing I could do. So for the first time in my life, I took off without wearing a seatbelt, end quote. Yeah, um, quite a risk. But um, I guess we'll just put that under another cautionary tale there. Um, if you need something, say something, you know, and, and try to be tactful and compassionate of, you know, 
the the staff around you and you know aware of in relation to your own situation and your needs you know um there are ways to seek out what you need you know and blaming people doesn't strike me to be the right um the right thing to do here um at least for me it's not personally just speaking for myself so um i don't know but let's move on um let's see this is next topic is from the mirror again we have about 14 minutes left to the top of the hour cheetah's so shy he's given emotional support dinner i mean dog sorry um cheetah's so shy he's given emotional support dog they do everything together is the headline so all right let's take a closer look here uh here we go here's the picture that's a cheetah cub i guess whoops or i don't know if that's the proper term um for for cheetah i know for lions that that's called a cub i don't know what that's called for cheetah if that's the same term cub but um all right Let's see. While cheetahs have unmatched power in the animal world when it comes to their speed, they're actually very sensitive creatures. They can get so anxious about socializing with other animals that they avoid it altogether, leading to issues with them securing a mate to continue their bloodline. Although North Africa and Asia already considers them to be critically endangered animals, the International Union for the Conservation of Nature, IUCN, Red List of Threatened Species lists them as vulnerable. There is estimated to be about 7,000 cheetahs left in the wild, with their historic range in Africa dropping by about 90% in recent times. Oh my God. Um, factors like that can very easily have come into play there. But hey, there's, um, I guess that's, <laughs> that's, that's an interesting photo there. Um, this feels like the sort of image that needs captioning. I feel like taking a screen grab of this, for those of you listening on the podcast, the, the dog, uh, it's a, the, the dog is a full-size adult dog sitting on top of uh, the cheetah. It doesn't look like a full-size cheetah. Um, in relation to what I imagine the dog is, this, this looks like a retriever uh, to me. I could be wrong on the breed. Um, let me see here. Da, 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 da. It doesn't say, wait a minute. Here we go. Da, da, da. Okay, there's another area here. So however their shyness is not, the story goes on. However, the, the, the cheetah's shyness is not the only factor linked to their drop in numbers as their loss of habitat, yeah, lack of prey and vulnerability to hunters has increased their risk of becoming extinct. Trying to combat their anxiety around other animals, Metro Richmond Zoo in Virginia, America, introduced their cheetah, Kumbali, to yellow Labrador, okay, retriever, um, Kago, K-A-G-O, who has been acting as the big cat's emotional support dog, okay. I was right on the retriever, wrong on the golden. Labrador retriever, see, I have a dog. It's a Akita Mastiff mix. But like I don't really um I don't really I don't really know a lot of different um dog breeds offhand just by looking. So I stand corrected there. A spokeswoman said, quote, Kumbali and Kago don't even seem to recognize their differences in species, size, or color. There is only acceptance. This unique this unique companionship has captured the hearts of millions of people. I wish there was a YouTube video attached to this. Uh, this is a uh, screen grab I'm looking at right now on the YouTube version of this. You can check it out yourself as well. They're a popular attraction at Metro Richmond Zoo is the cat uh, is the caption at the bottom of this particular image. It's uh, the cheetah walking along the fence here as uh, a bunch of people, a bunch of visitors look down into the into the fenced off area. And the dog is apparently like sniffing for something in a pile of dirt directly behind 
always sort of keeping close to uh, the, the emotional support dog, keeping close to the cheetah at all times. It's interesting how close to other people the cheetah is able to be in this particular image, presumably due in large part to the close proximity of the emotional support dog helping to facilitate that because obviously the cheetah would be too shy to do something like that. Um, let's see. Living harmoniously in the same enclosure, Kumbali, the cheetah, and Kago, the dog, spend their days playing and eating together before coming up with one another when they get tired. Added the spokeswoman, quote, Kumbali and Kago are doing great and can be visited here at the zoo. They continue to have a strong Beverly bond. Kago is the boss, even though Kumbali is almost twice Kago's size. Keepers spend time with them each day and take them both on walks through the zoo, end quote. Wow. That's heartbreaking. The rest of the story, there's a little bit more to it. But uh, in the interest of time, we're going to go ahead and move on from here. Um, don't forget, we have links to in the description to all of the topics that we've covered tonight. So feel free to click through the description and, uh, and read through those links for yourself later on, if you so choose. Of course, after hitting the like button and the notification bell, should pretty much go without saying by now. Uh, and oh, here we go. Last topic, last topic. This is something I, I actually found in the course of our topic research. This is something from IGN. The DeLorean EV, saving the best for last. We have nine minutes left to the top of the hour. We're gonna to try to close this out strong here. Everything we know so far about the new version of Back to the Future's classic co-star is the headline. This is from uh, IGN's journalist, Ryan McCaffrey. This was posted uh, uh, five days ago, probably Tuesday-ish. So here's the story. In February 2022, DeLorean Motor Company announced plans to build a new version of the 1980s stainless steel skinned car made most famous by its role as the time machine in the Back to the Future film trilogy and the animated series and the, and the theme park attraction Universal Studios, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> the new sport and the video game. The new sports car will be an electric vehicle. DMC, no relation to John DeLorean's original company that went bankrupt in 1982, which has spent the past 25 plus years dedicated to offering parts, service, and restoration on the original Gullwing door coupes, will build the car in San Antonio, Texas. All right, made in America. Here's everything we know so far about the return of a pop culture icon. Now, let's start here. This is uh, an image right here. I'm, it's a shame those of you on the regular audio podcast can't see this, but um, go ahead and check through the description. You can see a link to the YouTube version. You can see this uh, for yourself as well as the link to the original post here to see there also this is uh, i'm looking at a silhouetted teaser image of the new delorean ev uh, and the context underneath this image says the formal reveal will happen later in 2022 it's a clear uh it, it's it's pitch black except for this uh spotlight from directly above and off at such an angle as to not illuminate the entire body of the car um, you can see, you can make out the hood, you can make out the empty space where the windshield is going to be, you can make out the roof, and you can make out, obviously, the gold wing doors coming up on either side. Um, the gold wing doors seem, it seem very much more, um, it's hard to say, like, wavy. They seem almost wavy in appearance, as opposed to the, uh, as opposed to the design of the original gold wing doors from the, I'll just call it the time machine model, the time machine model from the 80s. The new DeLorean teased in its initial marketing as the DeLorean Evolved, although that's unlikely to be its official name, will be an all-electric sports car. DMC CEO Joost de Vries told Motor Authority the car will offer a massive 100 kilowatt hour battery pack 
to power it to a range of at least 300 miles. For context, the full-size Tesla model, model S sedan in its latest incarnation uses a battery pack that is roughly the same size, 99 kilowatt hours, and carries the 5,500 pound sedan up to 405 miles on a single charge. Huh. Yeah, that's that's a considerable step up. It's basically so is this so we're talking about this new car is going to be it's going to have a battery pack that's about the same uh the same weight, the same threshold of um uh, of physical space take up. Sorry, I, I phrased that very incorrectly. Sorry. The battery pack is about the same physical size, okay? Presumably about the same weight if not lighter. And 405 miles on a single charge with the full size sedan. So as opposed to 300 miles with the uh, with the with the other one. Interesting. So hmm. Yeah, I'm trying to think through I'm trying to think through the uh the the, the usage of the 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 average usage of how this how this battery is going to um how this battery is going to let loose charge over the course of time, over the course of however long that's, that the user would be driving this vehicle. Like, are we talking about 405 miles in terms of city or in terms of highway? Like, are we, how are we, when you talk about fuel efficiency, which, you know, electricity, obviously like fuel efficiency doesn't really, I don't want to say that that way. Um, I'll say that fuel efficiency, when you bring up fuel efficiency, it usually is brought up in the context of gas. You can bring that up in terms of electricity, obviously, because that's the frame of reference that we're used to hearing when you talk about vehicles. But um, yeah, 405 miles, that, that's, that's, hmm. I feel, uh, I feel I should know a little bit more about cars in terms of the, in terms of the, the, the average charge. Um, let's see the average charge for an electric battery at that weight um or not sorry not at that weight excuse me at that um at that amount of charge about 100 kilowatt hours so the new delorean as a two-seat sports car still no backseat is likely to be considerably smaller and lighter and as such could offer a similar or perhaps even greater range than the new model s depending on its aerodynamics and drivetrain efficiencies yeah so there's still some uh, some wiggle room for interpretation, depending on what's what gets changed on the way off the production line, or I should say up to the production line. DeVries did say, however, that the car would not get to 500 miles of range. Well, certainly not off rip, but, you know, as the as time goes on, you know, um, the, the, the car comes back in another production year, you know, things get more efficient over time. Battery technology becomes more efficient over time. Aerodynamics change, you know, the, the chassis design gets better. Um, what's going on under the hood can improve, you know, that can, that can change, just not now. I'm going to be optimistic here. Structure, structurally, the new DeLorean will mimic Tesla's skateboard design in which the electric motors sit between the wheels on each axle and the battery pack sits in the floor between the front and rear, rear wheels spanning the width of the car. That's fascinating. I didn't know that that's how the Tesla cars were designed. There's a, there's a 30 second video attached to this and then we'll go ahead and wrap this up. Um, let me play this really quickly after turning off autoplay. <laughs> oh, crap. It doesn't look like I can do that. Oh, well. <laughs> All right. Well, um, the autoplay setting, excuse me. Here's the, I think I can play this video. Doesn't look like this is a true video. I think this is just a slideshow. Well, that's anticlimactic. It's just a one-off sort of photograph. Uh, what I'm looking at is a photograph of the, I, I hope this is the new vehicle. 
from an extreme close-up perspective of what looks like the rear driver's side tire in full burnout, judging by the placement of the, the driver's side rear view mirror um, on the upper left corner of this particular image. So, okay, thanks for that IGN. Um, let's see, DMC Chief Marketing Officer Troy Beats told Motor Authority, quote, you could assume that with most electric vehicle sports cars, all wheel drive would be a must as would a floor battery, end quote. The custom chassis, meanwhile, will utilize a structural carbon fiber tub. Okay, so that's going to be fairly lightweight, all right? DMC isn't giving performance numbers yet, but the company is promising that the DeLorean EV will be a driver's car, bringing back the joy of driving. Now, depending on who you're talking to, depending on, um, depending on what they drive, depending on what their understanding is of driving their vehicle, you know, you'd be hard-pressed to try to convince somebody that they're not already experiencing the joy of driving, you know, depending on, again, depending on who you're talking to, like, I like my car, I like driving my car. Um, but, you know, it, it's, I wouldn't see, I wouldn't see a vehicle, I wouldn't see a, requ a requirement. I wouldn't see a particular vehicle as being required in order to experience the joy of driving. If I'm already experiencing, you know, the joy of having a car. Not everybody has a car, you know? And if you have a car that has like a lot of meaning and like sentimental value to you, you know, if you're that kind of person, which I include myself in that group as well. I mean, you know, that's, the car is a part of you. The car is to a degree, an extension of you, not just as a car owner, but as a person, you know? So it's, it's I wouldn't, that, that seems like a generous sort of statement to make, but it's good PR. I can see that as being very effective in, in, in the sense of helping to get vehicles off the assembly line and into garages. So we'll see how effective that is. Um, let's see, here we go. A design will be unveiled at the Pebble Beach Concours d'Elegance Monterey Car Week on August 21, 2022. Whether or not it's going to be close to what we see on the road remains to be seen because as Motor Authority reports, quote, the CEO is pushing for the car to be a close to production intent prototype but with marketing and Intel design are push marketing and Intel design are pushing for a prototype with the biggest wow factor. End quote. And then it says IGN will be there to show you whichever version DMC ultimately chooses to reveal. Yeah, we'll we'll have to keep a close eye on this particular topic. Hopefully, once more information comes out as we get closer to that particular date, we'll have a better indicator of what they're going with here. I'm really curious about the final chassis design, though. That seems to be the elephant in the room as far as what they're gonna go with here. But um, that's the date to, to, to mark on the calendar. August 21 this year is uh, when, some, when some serious visuals are gonna come out about this new all electric DMC. So, um, oh, that's, that's nothing, this is a, <laughs> those of you who are watching on YouTube right now, this is a little um, a thing using the, uh, using the DeLorean in Forza Horizon 5. I guess IGN trying to cross promote with another article, whatever. Anyway, all right, so that's the end of this particular topic, at least until August. So mark your calendars for that, definitely. And in the meantime, it is now the top of the hour. So let's go ahead and wrap this up here. Um, this has been weird news for the week ending Sunday, March 27, 2022, right here on Weekend Showcase. Thank you so much for tuning in and watching live and uh, commenting, those of you who did. And uh, those of you who are listening on our podcast feeds on anchor.fm slash Weekend Showcase or um, Apple, Spotify, Google, wherever you get your podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in as well. Don't forget to shoot us a voicemail and um, maybe send us some tips if you want to nominate a topic for us to talk about in our weird news shows every Sunday right here on youtube.com slash Weekend Showcase live every Sunday at 6 p.m. Eastern, 
three Pacific, let us know. Shoot us a shoot us a voicemail. Shoot us a DM on um, Twitter or Instagram at Weekend Showcase, and uh, we'll be happy to put it in in our rotation and might even give you a shout out as well. So um, that's pretty much going to be the end of our show tonight. Um, my name is Don Shannon, and uh, thanks so much for watching. Have a great week. Be safe. Be healthy. And um, we'll see you this coming Friday for more all new live trailer reactions right here on Weekend Showcase. Have a good night.